Hey, welcome to Another Worlds, an improvised world-building podcast where we take a set of random words and we use them as a springboard to create a fictional world. I'm Chris Parker. And I'm Giovanni Ravisi. R- with a V, to be clear. Yeah. Okay. Um, fuck. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> I, uh, I got one of those weighted blankets, you know, for anxiety. Uh-huh. And it's been helping a bit. But sometimes I will, how do you say, get wrapped up in it and I will feel like I'm in a straight jacket being dragged into hell. Yeah. Because when it's just laying on top of me, it's very nice. But then in the middle of the night, sometimes I am tangled (laughs) and I am unable to move. It's too heavy. Um, Yeah, it does sound nice. I would like one. Yeah. I would like to sleep, live and sleep underground. Oh, dude. I really like the confinement. I want a coffin. That's what I want, too. With, like, some padding inside. But I want a coffin to sleep in. It would be fantastic. I want, like, a thing that comes up out of the floor, and then you slide in sideways, (laughs) and then it recedes back down into the ground, flawless, flush. I mean, that's perfect, because no one can get you while you're sleeping. It's exactly the thing, right? You're completely safe, secure, but it has to have some kind of like a big red handle that manually lifts it back out of the ground, like a crank. Yeah, it can't. It can't malfunction. It's got to have some right. some backup safety uh, mechanisms. Yeah, probably some rations. Yeah, down there. Or you could have a dropout bottom that leads to a tunnel, so then you can you can crawl out if you if you really get stuck. Yeah. You gotta bust out at the bottom. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, some kind of a, uh, I don't know, like, then maybe there's like a power drill, an emergency power drill with fresh batteries inside. Yeah, you have a drawer. I mean, you're sleeping down there, so you have like a nightstand, right? You have to. Yeah. I'm just thinking in case the manual crank fails, there'd be like a, like above my head, it would be four or five sheets of plywood. So if someone was going to try and attack me from the tunnel direction, I would be able to see it coming. But if I needed to get out, it would be like an hour or two's work with the yeah. emergency saw. Yeah, but you hope you never have to need that. Well, the one the one issue with this is uh, that you live in San Francisco. I would I would be worried about earthquakes because what happens then? Yeah, there could be a cave-in, but I think that the box should be safe. That's what the rations are for. Well, then you need then you need a, a communication, like you need an emergency uh, buzzer that send, that tells the police that you're underground and they have to come get you. Right. The firemen. Yeah, someone needs to be aware that I'm down there. It's an excellent point. There's definitely a chance to be buried alive. I don't know, uh, maybe like a string with a bell attached to it <laughs> yeah take it old school trained rat i like how we start the podcast we usually end up on some world building exercise where we're just coming <laughs> up with some bullshit that uh that does not exist <laughs> well we're talking about the world where this exists it's an alternate universe this is our world and this is what i'm gonna build when i get old and i'm gonna live underground like a goblin, man. <laughs> so, should we start the show? Yeah, we should we should start the show. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, what we do, like I said at the beginning of the episode, is that we have some random generators that are going to roll us some random words and some random aspects of a world that we can start to build around. So we're going to have just use these for inspiration to, to springboard us into a direction. And then we're just going to uh, bullshit our way after that. So I'm going to roll the uh, aspects of the world we're going to talk about. Okay, it's geography and uh, plants in the world, which is nice. We're starting with the, uh, the physical aspects of this world. And um, the plant, <laughs> well, the plant is decorative, apparently, so I guess we're going to have to get into a civilization. But the geography is na- a natural wonder of the world. All right, now, are these connected, or are they... They don't have to be. It doesn't matter. Do whatever we want. Okay. You want me to read some words? Yeah. All right. We got bridge, thread, mm-hmm. silver. A really thin silver uh, thread that connects to locations naturally. Did it. Done. It's a natural wonder. Yeah. So this is like something that someone did not build. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking it's like a land bridge, like an like an arc, or not necessarily in an arc. Maybe it's flat, but you know, there's nothing under it. But yeah, it's super thin, and it's made of either either metal, and so it's shiny, or crystal, and so light shines through it, and it looks silver. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. It's called the world thread, and it's large enough that world people can walk on it, and it's made of some kind of a silver metal. Yeah, but it's it's so large that relative to how long it is, it's very thin. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how did it get there? How did it get? How did it get made? I mean, I would just say erosion. Big old river ran under it and it eroded into it. I mean, how do formations like that really get made? I would assume kind of like that. I don't know. Well, if it's a crystal, I guess we could do it like it grew over and, and touched the other side somehow. Yeah. But, um, all right. So what do people think about this, this big old bridge? Because I assume you can also see it from beneath that way. Like the sun hits it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really high up in the air. Um, there's little shop stalls along it. <laughs> Maybe it circumnavigates the whole planet. Oh, you want it to be that big? Mm-hmm. I was thinking just like Grand Canyon spanning big. Nah, I don't know. That thing could be cool, though. Yeah, then then we got to figure out how it came to be because that's weird and interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that's really cool. Let's let's do it. Let's let's figure it out. I didn't realize that that's how you wanted to do, but I like it a lot. It's a big bridge. Okay, so this thing is going around the entire world or most of the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how did it get formed? Maybe it was like a ringed planet and somehow it condensed down and it's like close enough to the surface that you can get to it. Like, I don't, I don't know how it would have happened. Yeah. But... I don't know how you get a whole thing around a planet otherwise. It's uh, like a super close ring that's essentially geostationary. So it's it's just a ring that's... So it's floating. It doesn't connect to the ground at all? Yeah. Okay. It's just falling in the atmosphere, connected 
altogether or uh it wasn't connected at first like it was just uh crystal shards and it was like more or less you know a, a meteor ring type of a thing and then societies connected it yeah it was these using the using the same material so now it's it's gotten more and more lattice work connected over the years so there's sort of big floating shards and then they've built these thin filament like threads that are connecting them all yeah i like that but i have one other idea that i'm probably not going to like as much but maybe you want to develop on it it's the planet originally formed Mm -hmm. by two planetary bodies colliding with each other and so where they collide a a ridge forms a gigantic outward you know you understand what i'm saying like because it's squished together there oh yeah that's really cool and then over time over time that eroded out underneath all over the planet and so it it had just the top of that ridge is uh so it started as like one mountain circumscribing the uh, the planet it was just like one long mountain kind of around the the planet and then it just eroded out to become a bridge yeah that's awesome um so the planets are now one yeah it's one it's one planet cuz what you when I, what I, I was imagining when you first said it was like an image of two planets slowly colliding with each other and so they look like kind of a venn diagram and then where they collided there's basically like suspended between the two gravitational pulls there's a a ring of stuff that got thrown up from the impact point in a circle yeah it's like a venn diagram and then splitting uh the middle of the contact point is like a halo of stuff. But yeah, and then that that thing like has just been chilling there in the atmosphere. Or or yeah, it was just a mountain range that got smooshed up. Yeah, I, I like the mountain range because also, so say they were giant, you know, proto-planets or whatever, and when they hit together, it creates like an enormous heat, right? So say their cores are silver maybe, or something like that Mm -hmm. so not only is it making these mountains from uh like tectonic force but also like the cores and uh mantles of the planets are leaking out and so they're also made of magma a little bit and that's what the silver on top is yeah is there is the solidified magma from one of these planets at least or both or Mm -hmm. so so it's a molten silver core that basically uh formed this uh ring yeah which then uh, stayed aloft and intact, as even as the uh, mountain range eroded back down to uh, normal planet. Yeah. Do you want to go with that or the or the rings? I like that one because it's elaborate. Uh, I I like that one. That one's good. Yeah. As we did it, I ended up liking it more. <laughs> okay. Cool. So it's pretty high up. It's like mountain height up. Yeah. So if people are going to get to this, what kind of civilization are we talking about? That Or have they not gotten to it yet? I mean, I, I like the idea that they got to it and we build around it. but um, Yeah, I think they're living up there. Um, the question is, why, why go up there and live up there other than just like natural curiosity? Yeah, but my question is also like logistically, how did they get up there? Did, where, did humans live on the top of it before it eroded and then they just ended up 
up there or did uh they develop technology advanced enough that they were able to get up there and how then yeah i I guess i was just thinking that they could that the mountain parts that are still connected to it it's still being is it completely unconnected i thought you wanted it to be unconnected but i i kind of wanted it to be connected so yeah then they can climb the then they can just climb yeah okay that's fine so there's places where you climb up into the mountains and then you get onto this thing is it what's the climate like up there hmm. is it hot or cold i mean i would guess on a normal habitable planet it would be colder right like our mm-hmm. world um i don't know if we could come up with any reason why it wouldn't be other than that it's more interesting of a of a world building device but yeah because we did cold planet no i i think that's a cool thing that's there and i think we should roll another one okay or i mean or we can now we could go to plant if you want to or or we could roll another one yeah let's do plant okay so roll some words for decorative plant rolling some some words hearing meeting punishment Hearing, meeting, punishment. Okay. So these are decorative plants that are in prisons or or torture chambers, and maybe they're... <laughs> okay, what if it's a decorative plant that's shaped like an ear horn, and you can be on the other side of a wall and uh, put your ear up to it? And you can hear in on an interrogation. <laughs> uh, okay. It's a plant that's got like a double. It's got two big bell flowers yeah. that look like the ends of um, phonograph things. And uh, you put it in like a glass dome. <laughs> and then you let its flower trumpets go out into two different rooms and it connects them for meetings of punishment. So I like the idea that like a, how a Venus flytrap has evolved to do a specific thing that somehow this thing getting like sound yelled through it is, is beneficial to the plan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know though. Yeah. I think um, so if it's going to, if it needs to get sound through it, then maybe uh, it can, maybe it's allowing sound waves to pass much longer distances. So it's it's actually just like a vine. Yeah, it's like a telephone that goes it's got a telephone wire that goes underground. It's basically just a a plant telephone, but the way it works is that it's got like uh it's got two different types of flowers. It's got like some flower that traps insects or small creatures and then it's got the phonograph flower and when and it's a symbiotic relationship because like creatures or people yelling into it it like kills sonically destroys destroys its prey and turns it into a goop that the plant uses for delicious nutrients that's funny yeah it uses those vibrations to goop it i like that so we're talking about a scale where we can use it to go you know between a room but how about if instead of it going underground it's a vine on the ground mm-hmm. but it's on the ring it's going like all around large large sections of the ring like a one giant 
plant that's growing together for people to communicate. Yeah. And I guess it would be slow. Like it would be slower than a, uh, I mean, cause it's just the speed of sound vibrating through a solid object, whatever that would be. It, you know, if you're trying to go miles, it's going to be slow. Well, I don't know. The plant might have something, but yeah, maybe it's more of like a, you know, you can transmit a recording. You press the stamen and it, yeah, it, it knows that you're done talking and it transmits it and it routes it to your destination. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's got basically a stamen keyboard, and uh, oh yeah, maybe it's like they got to use a Morse code or something, right? Uh, I don't know. But then we we were talking about them yelling into it though, still. So no, you got to yell into it. But I think that by pressing the stamens, there's a you know there's like thirty two stamens on every flower, and by pressing them in a sequence, it will route your message to that one. Okay, that's the operator. Yeah, so it has its own uh, routing as well. Cool, yeah. Also, I just Googled the speed of sound through solid steel, and because I just picked a... It was what auto-completed for solid, and it's five times that of in air, so it's actually pretty fast. Okay, so maybe maybe the reason this plant does so well up on the ring is because... um, it's actually using the steel to uh, transmit the sound faster to basically yeah amplify the signal and speed it up. And maybe you, you can't guarantee because your message actually getting transmitted, the flower will like keep routing it around and around in a circle until it actually detects a little bee has landed that it needs to use the sound to blast into mush. So <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're probably going to get the messages in a certain amount of time, but the humans actually have to cultivate this insect as well. And, uh, you know, really rich people can, they're just always feeding their, they're always feeding their telephones. So it's like when, <laughs> when you're, when you're really waiting on, uh, on that job offer. Oh yeah. When you expect a message coming in, you put one in. Yeah. Yeah. When you're waiting on that job offer, you're like dropping in an ant every, every 30 seconds. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> I like that. Cause it's just a funny way for a phone to work too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining like a normal phone that was dumb like that. <laughs> Yeah, so you got a little jar of uh, slugs next to the next to the phone. So most people will like cultivate. Yeah, they'll cultivate a slug destroying sonic pod as well as a bell uh, a bellflower. Yeah, try and get them close in the same location so that they can sort of control. Also, people, if uh, if I was wrong about the the speed of sound thing, just don't tell me. I don't I don't care. It was a quick Google. Yeah, well, it's this world, it's our world, and it has speed of sound differences. So, that's how it does. It's a very advanced plant. Okay. Yeah, so that one was interesting. So, that's the decorative part of it, is that, well, it's functional and decorative, but it's basically a telephone. Okay. So, these people are able to communicate across the ring... Did we say they were living up there or they just like go up there for, for business? I forget what we said. And they go up there for business meetings. <laughs> yeah. It's uh oh maybe maybe it's like neutral territory and they go there for um 
you know, for, for like treaty signings and stuff. Yeah. The ring, got to meet on the ring to, to negotiate peace. Right. It's sacred. I mean, maybe it's just hard to live up there, so. But that's also why the plant is up there, because you can communicate between countries by it going. Right. Right. It, it is the only the only means of really long distance communication. And because it exists, they never needed to invent uh, electricity to get like a sort of fairly modern global society. Yeah. Maybe they don't even have written language because it wasn't a necessity to carry a, a missive. Well, those two things aren't aren't related. Oh, because they have verbal language. But they, they probably they couldn't have known that it was immediately going to work that way, right? Like, since the dawn of man, they've been using this? I, I feel like that doesn't make sense. Well, I think they probably evolved in tandem, right? The flower and the things that are yelling through it. Also books. You still want to be writing things. You still want to write things for, for recorded history. Yeah, I mean, but maybe there's like a plant library. There's like also this plant can, you can cultivate like sound pods that hold on to these vocal recordings. All right, let's 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 just do plant world then, because if we're going to have all of these multi-purpose plants, I feel like it should be it's like the Flintstones where there's always an animal that's mm-hmm. doing the task of an everyday item. Mm-hmm. We'll do it's a plant. They're all different plants. Yeah. But they still squawk and go, it's a living. <laughs> it's like in the Flintstones. There's actually one plant that just does that. That's that plant's job. Yeah. It's um catchphrase plant. Yeah. Alright. So if if they can communicate through to multiple countries by using the plants, what do they do with that ability? What kind of uh, international relations are there between in most of the world? I guess we're talking about, yeah, a semi-global society, you said before. Like, they're pre-global. They kind of, they definitely travel between countries, but not freely because they don't have electricity. They don't have planes. Yeah. Um, what is the point of diplomacy, I guess, to move goods? You actually don't need electricity to have planes. That was a that was a dumb thing to say. You just need to start the plane, and then it it's gas. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's a plant plane. So it's got big roots, and it, and it flies in a circle. It gets it gets to the end of its roots and it just goes in a in a big circle. I don't understand how this that works. Oh, okay. the The root of rings is underground and it's going above ground. Okay. No, I mean like it's just like one thing connected on the ground and it's like you know how uh you know how um that toy that never existed but does exist in movies <laughs> with the it's like a plane on the end of a string. Connected to a stick that a kid is whirling around in a circle, <laughs> like a flail. Absolutely not, but I kind of understand what you're saying. I think it's yeah, it's mechanical in some way. Anyways, they got those plant planes. Okay. <laughs> they probably can't carry a lot of weight because they're made out of plants. They're definitely not just like free. They're not traveling the world as much as we do in airplanes. I think with that. Yeah, I mean maybe they're just they're trying to work on it. 
maybe they're experimenting with it as we speak. Yeah, I like that. I like that this world is in a period of expansion and they're trying to make advancements. They're communicating with each other. They're about to become like a unified, not unified, but you know, a world that communicates with each other and it's not just trying to kill each other. They're all working for the same goal. They're working for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's the ring of diplomacy. It's the great thread. Yeah, I think they're definitely good diplomats that are traveling around the world and doing goodwill projects in other countries. I don't know. I don't know. You want to just make up some countries? Yeah. Like we got um Derica. Okay. Uh in Derica Okay, wait, no. We have Derica and we have and the small peninsula state of Flovius. Yep. Yeah, Flovius is like yeah, there's a narrow land bridge that connects Flovius to Derica, but otherwise Flovius is surrounded by ocean. Okay. So Derica is much larger. Mm-hmm. Are they in any way uh are they in any way trying to pressure or control Flovius or are they Yeah, I think at some point in their history it was essentially a, a faction split. You want to do a faction split or an imperialism thing? Well, it could just be that, like, Flovius was a nicely defendable island place but still had access to the mainland, and so that was, like, the first place that was settled in any serious way. It's got ports, and it's got a way to deliver sacks of grains. (laughs) I don't know. They were insular, and then... uh, they probably had their their thralls on the land side, the Derricans. Derica eventually became civilized enough. It had some um, had some cities of its own, had some uh, technological contributions, some scientific contributions that the Flovians don't really like to recognize. But Derricans invented uh, a lot of farming implements. Yeah, I like this because originally I was thinking that it was the other way around because. Uh, Derica is bigger ge- geographically country. I assume they would be the more powerful ones, but I like that the small people were kind of using the big the big country as as a resource. Right. Yeah. That's more like like England in our world. Yeah. All the farmer folk are over there, and the Flovians are very. They were very wealthy. Yeah. They sort of kept their wealth uh, uh, concentrated in this small place, and when it got overpopulated. People moved out onto the mainland to be farmers. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a power dynamic there. But now, uh, you know, fast forward a couple hundred years, things have evened out a bit. Derica realized that they were in control of the of the wealth and didn't rely maybe on the global sway that Flovia had because Flovia, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so maybe with the rise of like globalism aided by the the world thread, it, it just wasn't as important to control a port. It wasn't as important to control that flow of information. Right. Uh, maybe Derica actually built a 
maybe they actually built a, a connection to the the world thread themselves. They didn't have a, a, a support in Derica, but they built one because maybe they grew maybe they grew like a big beanstalk up to it. Oh yeah, we're going we're going back to plants. I'm I'm down for that. Um So Derica is just it's a big flatlands, yeah, it's a big plains area. But yeah, I like the idea that they were good farmers and then all of these special uh, types of plants were being developed or discovered sure. because they were an agricultural society already. Now they're that they've gained power through that because now they're they're at the forefront of like plant research, botanical research. Totally. So if Derica was pri- or is primarily agricultural and they're doing advancements in botanical stuff what is flovius up to now they're still a port city i guess but like you said it's not as important because of the ring what do they do i would think it's kind of um just an aristocracy in decline Mm. so nothing they do nothing (laughs) yeah yeah banking political ingenue i don't know what that word means (laughs) <laughs> me neither yeah they think highly of themselves so maybe they were very involved in the arts and now just no one but no one had real like real jobs I'm not not saying that artists don't have real jobs on earth but like no one had uh, you know jobs that are required by society and so because th- they were using the Derricans and now they're they're just like every once in a while, you know, someone sells a painting, but they're they're starving artists basically because they have no natural resources. Um, they do. I mean, they they've got they got fish, I guess. They got fish, so you know, there's a maybe there's the aristocracy versus the the fishers men. Yeah, the bay masters, the fishers people. Um, yeah, okay. So there's fishermen along the coast and aristocrats on the inside the fishermen i guess they actually have like the best lives right now probably because they people come in to trade with them they sell fish they are self-sustaining themselves because they catch fish whereas the aristocracy needs all the help it can get and it's no longer gonna be an aristocracy because they're losing their money like you said um yeah i think um you know they're still selling spice but uh you know trade routes are becoming more established as since you can order stuff you can order stuff using the plant internet yeah using amazon now the, the amazon forest <laughs> <laughs> um I, I don't know i thought the plant was not going to be so good at communication that they had a global society right so i don't think they had plant internet no, they don't have plant internet. They just have plant like, hey, I want um I want a couple of bushels by sundown and I will pay you for that. Yeah, I I don't understand what what you're saying. Like where who are they communicating with? They're talking into the tr- the beanstalk that they built to go up to the the big telephone in the sky. Okay. I mean, they're, they're yeah, they're trading more. Their Derica is, is becoming more global. So is Derica an influential power within the world? Like, 
maybe not a superpower. I don't know if this world has global superpowers yet, but are people looking to them? Are people interested in them? Is there a lot of communication back and forth between Derica, or is it, you know, it's just off on the side and sometimes people go to Derica for their cool their cool plant life? Yeah, I think Derica's on the rise. Um The Rise and Fall of Derica by Donnie Jericho. By Dahlberg. By Dahlberg. Yeah, he's just one name like Homer. Dahlberg. I hit up a new category? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got history and invasions. Okay. So right now we only have Derica and and Flovius, and we kind of already established that there wasn't an invasion as much as they start. Uh, I guess there, there must have been, right? Like for them to take so much control of Derica early on? No, I think that... This is where the power, the concentration of civil is, you know, the uh, the civilization was happening and the concentration of monetary value, right? Like when yeah. money was being invented, it was being invented in Flovius. People were still living off the land in Derica. Okay, no, yeah, you're right. That makes sense. So either people are going to have to invade Derica at some point or we got to come up with two new countries. <laughs> Yeah, well, do you want to you want to get you want me to hit you up at the rando? Oh yeah, well yeah, we didn't do any words. Yeah, yeah, do some words. All right, so this is for what is it? History invasion. Yeah. Jar. Look. Giants. Okay, Jar Look is the country. <laughs> so there's giants in the world now. We have giants and a beanstalk in this world now. I and I think I'm absolutely okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so are there giants on this ring and Derica is invading them with their giant beanstalk? I don't think giants can fit on the ring. Okay. Maybe they you have to go over the ring to get over giant territory though. Like there's no way to cross through land cuz it's too dangerous, so you have to use the ring if you want to do trade on other sides of the giant lands. Hmm. All right. So what about this? Mhm. What about this? Mhm. What if when those two planets smash together? It stopped, it completely stopped the rotation of the planet. Now, this is something I've read about in my science fiction novels. But if this planet does not rotate, it could have one very hot side and one very cold, dark side. Mm-hmm. Only, in, only in science fiction could something like that happen. Yeah. So if that's the case, and we got one side, we got these giants... They're thriving. They're giant. They're giant plant. They're tree ants, and they're walking around on this hot side. And then uh, they're real big, so they gotta they gotta peek over. They're looking over the bridge at the small dark people, small people of darkness, <laughs> <laughs> small people who live in darkness. Yeah. So wait, I was thinking that the ring was horizontal in relation to the sun like an equator we're talking about it being vertical now and separating the dark and light sides i know it's space so it's all relative but like you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying right 
Yep. The ring is separating the dark and light sides. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. The ring is in eternal twilight. Okay. Um, and these giants are obsessed with jars. These giants need more jars. Okay. Okay. So if this is at all like the moon, people are going to have to live real close to the, the twilight zone <laughs> to um yeah they can't get that far away from it like everyone's everyone's living on this sweet strip so the giants are living in real hot land and they've got they've obviously adapted to live in extreme conditions but so they gotta come closer to the come closer to the darkness but they don't like that because it's dark and they 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 have leaves that they're using to breathe and they're getting jars they carry jars around because they got to carry water back with them and then they get into a nice sunny spot and they uh stick their big feet (laughs) into the jars of water yeah there's no water on this hot side because it evaporates so yeah they, they definitely have to go get water yeah so there's a history of these giants invading for water oh man this got good this got really good i like it they look in, they're looking for jars. Oh, they got jars with them. No, they have to have giant jars, yeah. They they build their giant jars and they fill them with water and then they also like to season them with human beings. <laughs> and they mash and then they put you in there and it's a big jar. Like, you know, they say there's some humans still living in jars that the giants abandoned. Living in jar worlds out in the in the middle of the desert yeah when they scoop them up when they scoop them up they scoop up dirt too so yeah they yeah it's a whole like ecosystem in that jar and sometimes yeah sometimes they drop them and you're just stranded out in the middle of the desert so there's an invasion in both directions because sometimes there's rescue missions oh i was thinking more like they were a lost civilization like it was rumored that they exist yeah they scoop up like whole city they scoop up like whole cities into their jars oh well that's and then that's real big when they to be that big yeah when they get them back there they put their they mash their big foot into you they mash you down into a pulp dude to be able to scoop up a city you would have to be mm-hmm. like you're like think about this thing manhattan is like half the size of its palm that's what you're talking about yeah that's way too big why cuz that's not feasible at all that thing would be like 40 miles tall. Yeah. It's a big plant. There's a lot of sunlight over there. It's a big tree, man. It's like, to be that big, there's no way that you could have a feasible, like, ecology between them and the humans because the human population is just going to be too low. They're not going to be able to compete with the resources needed by the giants to thrive. Yeah, it's like a one... You know, the giants don't come every day. No, I know, but they're they would basically... If you're that big, you're like obliterating all of humanity every time. Not necessarily. Yeah, because there's more than one giant. How many? It could be like three. There's only so there's only three giants. We're playing. This is a fantasy world. Well, yeah, but I mean, so there's only three giants, is what you're saying, though. Yeah, there's three giants. Okay, so then they've got something associated with them. For some reason, there's three, but we can talk about that later because they're not just like a species that propagated normally so there's something interesting with them 
Okay. Yeah, then, then, then that's fine. Because if it was like a society of giants, if there were like hundreds of giants, they would just be wrecking shit all the time. I mean, look, like if you, yeah, you don't want to be too close because the giants, you want to be far enough away. The giants don't, they don't like to come very far. So anyways, Flovius is under attack. The giant spied it. He sees that nice ocean of water to soak his feet in. He was looking over the bridge. He saw that. He saw that perfect jar-sized city. No, all right. So I like this as an idea. So he was going to attack Flovius, and he steps in the water near Flovius. Incidentally, that raises the water level and floods the entire city. So uh-huh. that's the great flood of Flovius of of seventeen fifty four. Is that why it's called Flovius? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. So that that happened a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, that the Great Flood happened. He just took a chunk out of Derica instead or something. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about why why there's three giants or what the three giants' relationship with each other is. Something about that, because they're obviously special in, in a certain way. They're trees, we said, right? They're uh, tree folk, tree ants. Yeah, they're tree folk, basically big ants. Yeah. They have feet that can fit inside of jars, large city-sized jars. Um, how did they come to be? At some point, they must have had water to, to thrive to get to the point where they became that big. Maybe, hmm. So if they're living beings that are that big, they have water inside of them. So they basically have the entire that entire side of the planet's water is inside of them that's why there's like three because they absorbed all the water on their side of the planet and like they were the only ones that lived right because the water would probably be flowing if they didn't trap the water it would all evaporate move to the the other side yeah and freeze and be trapped in ice where they couldn't get to it so there's some kind of water cycle but yeah They've destroyed that side. Yeah. Maybe it's it's more an amalgamation of plants with this, uh, you know, once the plants developed brains, their uh, ability to communicate made them into sort of a hive creature that eventually... Oh, it's a, a legion. Yeah. Hive mind kind of... Uh... Eventually became it, and, and maybe it's it, you know we said it's a tree ant, but it doesn't have to necessarily look like that. Maybe what it looks like is a shambling mound. Yeah, I was gonna say shambling mound, but <laughs> a big shambling mound. Why don't you want to do three different types, like a moss, a moss mound, a tree mound, and a and something else like a leaf, a yep. leaf mound, a b- bush mound. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. And uh, so the jars that they have are not. Maybe they're. Um, at some point, you know, they used to they used to make nuts. Yeah. But now they've just got these giant they've got these giant nuts. <laughs> so that's what the jars are. They're they're nutshells. They're just like yeah. a big evolutionarily changed nutshell. I like that, yeah. And that's how they know when they need to get more water is their Their nuts are drained. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, when they've juiced their goose. Okay. Um. So back to the humans. What 
else do they what else does their world you know revolve around figuratively what what else are they doing besides you know trade and growing plants there's there's got to be something more um well they're probably trying to track the movements of the the three of the giants uh, yeah of the great three so the ring is pretty high up so maybe there's some stations up on the ring right yeah, they have lookouts on the station, on the uh, ring. I think like these days, they're a great deal of their collective effort and their global uh, diplomatic efforts revolve around the creation of fake cities. <laughs> <laughs> blazing Saddles style? <laughs> yeah, like Blazing Saddles style decoy cities. Yeah, okay. Um yeah, so, you know, they're making these beautiful, watery, yeah, they got good water, they got good cities, maybe they're raising livestock, you know, and what a, what a giant looks for in a jar full. What does a giant look for? Looks for water, looks for animal life, it looks for uh, fertile loam. So, I mean... This isn't really as much of a fake city as it is, like, an agricultural zone that they... a rural zone. It's a biodome. Yeah. It's a biozone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they're just willing to, like, sacrifice that to appease the giants rather than have their whole cities be destroyed, right? It's, yeah. it's a sacrifice they have to make because, like... They, I don't think they're prosperous enough that they're raising their own food away from there, too. I think that's just where they have decided to raise their food because they know it'll stop the giants from destroying the cities. Or they they hope that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, but yeah, there's a common antagonist in this world, and I think that... Um, does anything happen on the dark side? I mean, I don't think anything lives there, but... Is there... It's very cold, and, and I would imagine it's it's mostly ice. On the far, far, it's just a yeah one giant ice cap. What's out there? Maybe there's some sort of glacial activity that like is pushing like pushing resources into the yeah. I would imagine that water would be f- water would be flowing. Uh, yeah, how do glaciers work? I don't know. And maybe there's geothermal activity that is, you know, slowly, that is producing some heat on that side of the planet. So it's not completely enough that the area near the, yeah, that the area near the the ring, it's it's some of the water melts there and flows downward into into that area. I kind of like the idea that there's a wall of ice, though, like a a great wall. So no one knows what's beyond it. Yeah, uh, I guess they would know because the no, nah, nah, that doesn't make any sense because of the ring. They'll have seen the other side of the world from the top of the ring. I mean, it's dark, so not really. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess all they can see from the top of the ring is like a block of ice shrouded in darkness. That's that's fine. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So maybe they've got legends about what goes on on that side because they know the giants come from the light side. So they've got to have a legend about why nothing's going on on the dark side. Maybe. Although they're a pretty advanced society now, so this is just in the past, I guess, because like they're not still believing yeah. this. Or maybe that. Yeah, they might have a a mythology about 
about light and dark and uh i would assume since it's so cold there's some sort of air current that's you know coming from the hot side to the so it's always there's always a wind blowing into the into the cold side right because it's such a drastic heat difference yeah so something about that in the in the myth i don't know maybe that's like their underworld they think because that's like where everything gets blown to in i don't know right yeah it's uh nothing moves there it's no light no no nothing hmm. yeah it's probably a lot of animals with big eyes or no eyes at all so there is life on that side you want you want there to be life well on the you know on, on the, the cusp yeah okay on the cusp the limit liminal regions so we've got a few countries there are internet there are minor international relations people travel across uh, the world um they sometimes have to deal with these giants what else is interesting in this world hmm they have a lot of plant-based technologies how about I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like a, it's kind of a George Washington Carver world to be honest <laughs> yeah it's kind of a George Washington Carver's dream so I mean the plants are are the renewable are renewable resources they're making new things out of the plants but uh-huh. what else is there that people need besides water and plants good point kind of sweet salts yeah sweet salts of the earth maybe the area beneath the ring is also the reason why some of it so much of it eroded away is that part of it was just like giant salt crystals like the further out part because the, the very center is the magma but there was still some earth crust over there so that's that was all yeah salt and so people like mined that out also in addition to it eroding away people still go there and and want to mine but then other people get mad that they're mining the supports for the the ring right oh yeah I like that so it's literal yeah so it's pillars of salt they're holding the ring yeah up. i mean i i think it's like partly stone you know i think there's just gigantic salt deposits and they're worried that it'll collapse if they mine out all the salt yeah, I'm imagining a world now where, like, one civilization, you know, it's kind of like global warming, a global warming analogy, or what's the other word? You want to do a new country? So there's one country that's just, like, they're going ape shit yeah. on this, and they're, and the wall over their country is, the ring is just, like, sagging <laughs> down because they're taking out all these supports. Yeah. And the other part of the world is pissed off because they're, like, actively... Maintaining the supports or even trying to uh, reinforce them. But if that part of the ring breaks down, you know, there's people who are worried that the whole phone system, the whole... Uh, the whole ring. The whole plant ring would would cease to work properly. So, yeah, I think there's just a droopy... A droopy part of the ring <laughs> where this... Yeah. This uh, up-and-coming nation is where they're greed is outstripping their or their need their need or their greed is outstripping their um better their foresight yeah 
And I think Der- since Derrica was able to come up with an artificial, well, na- it's natural, but, you know, a beanstalk support, you know, they could be trying to, to help them out and be like, listen, we can reinforce your ring, but they don't want to do trade for some reason. They they don't want it. I don't know. Um, for sure. It's like, why not just build, why not just build plants? Yeah. So what's this other country and what is their deal? Lath. Form. What about Larth? Yeah, Larth. Or Lorth. Lorth. Lorth is better. Yeah, okay. Lorth sounds evil. Yeah. So Lorth is always up to bad business, mining away the supports. And for some reason, they don't like interacting with Derica, or at least, you know, getting... They must be interacting with other people, because they got to be trading the salt out. They're not just only using salt for themselves. Like, they're just the salt society. Yeah, well, Derek could probably put, like, a fucking embargo on that shit. They can't, they can't pass salt through there. Oh, because they don't want to support, they don't want to support them. The mining, yeah. Mining it. And so that's why they won't accept. At first, like, Lorth, yeah, maybe, maybe Lorth's thing was salt, and that's what they did. But as time went by, it was like, uh, actually, this is becoming a big problem we rely on this uh on the functioning the functionality of this ring yeah so maybe this was a uh, a a conflict in the past and now there's just bad relations still between yeah. lorth and derica because they embargoed them yeah and derica's like eh, it's for your own good why don't let's just have another meeting yeah let's have another meeting come on yeah let's get up on the ring we gotta have a meeting. We can work this out. But the ring is sagging. They can't get up to the ring to have relations, diplomatic relations. Yeah, Lorth is just a... They demand to have the... They've gone... Lorth has gone dark. <laughs> they demand to have their, their summits on the ground, <laughs> but everyone else is like, no, that's crazy. We gotta go, do, go to neutral territory on the ring. And Lorth is just like, everyone come to Lorth and... and Talk to us. Tell me what's going on. Because they don't have any knowledge of... Lorth has no clue what's going on, yeah. Uh, We might be able to call it now. Yeah. Okay, let's call it. We have to name the planet. We've named pretty much everything else. Oh, and I guess we have to name the giants, too. If we... Well, we don't have to. But let's name the planet. Um, Yeah, you got something? No. No. Uh, um, D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. Okay. How about D'Artagnan the the split? D'Artagnan the the Riven. Ooh yeah. D'Artagnan asunder. <laughs> it's an expansion pack to D'Artagnan. Okay. Okay, so then the you want to name the giants? There's a what what were there? There's a moss one and a tree one, and then some other kind of plant that is amalgamated. Uh, yeah. What other kind of plant is there? Flowers. I mean, just other vegetation okay. that isn't moss or or hard wood. <laughs> Everything else. So, uh, the moss one will be called Bezicus, the loath. Okay. <laughs> and then 
The tree one is Fezicus the loaf. <laughs> and then the one that's the other plants is Plezicus. Sheorg. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about doing something different, but I was going to just t- make the suffix different. I was going to make it like Plezicus the, the pleasant or something. They're, they're not a loaf. Yeah, that, uh, that one's good. That one's good. Or Sheorg. <laughs> Either way. Sheorg is the ancient uh, fourth one that, that no longer exists. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sheorg got... It was a... There's a disagreement between the four, and Sheorg was... Uh, Sheorg was... Torn asunder and... Torn asunder and amalgamated. And so then at the... What's it called in Bor- when Borgs do it? Uh, assimilated. Assimilated, yeah. But then at the end of the movie, they zoom in on the ground and you see... What of what whatever plant Sheorg is made out of? One of them pokes up through the ground, and then there's dr- a dramatic cut to black because Sheorg's coming back. Yeah, and it's a it's a <laughs> it's a sound capsule from inside one of the uh, plant libraries, <laughs> and it opens up after right at, it opens up, and then it cuts to black, and you just hear Sheorg's guttural scream <laughs> that had been trapped in the sound capsule for millennia. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then um and then like <laughs> and then um some rock music starts yeah. playing. What would be the it'd be like it'd be like the same the same song at the end of the matrix starts playing. I was gonna say, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> uh that's that is the ultimate like dumb <laughs> real dumb but really good ending song for like this is an action ending. Yeah. Yeah. I just know how good it is. It's got a cool bass line, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> All right. So I think that's another one. Yeah. Another one in the can. In the record books. Um, yeah. Eventually, we're going to have a vote where our listeners vote on all the worlds, and then we're going to expand one of them into a, into a more uh, cohesive and full earth world i don't know why i called it an earth i'll be called the expansion pack episode (laughs) so get ready for that and uh tweet at us if you like the show or have uh commentary to give us and uh i'll see you later see ya yep this has been another worlds goodbye worlds